Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And it's a Thursday. It's February 22nd, 2024. Great to be with you on a Thursday. And we have a very, very important show for you, as we do every day, actually. But we're going to give you an update on the situation in St. Pat's or in, Saint, in New York City regarding St. Pat's Cathedral. And more protests coming from this uh, radical left-wing group who was claiming that it was St. Pat's and the Archdiocese of New York that deceived them and that promoted hate and intolerance. Meanwhile, even though these activists claim that they didn't deceive anybody and didn't lie, one of them openly admitted, as we have reported before, that they kept things under wraps. It was the actual quote in the New York Times. And then I found a video this morning that was posted on a conservative website a conservative news site. It's not getting all that much attention this morning. I don't know why, because to me this is this is the clincher here, where the day before the funeral was held at St. Pat's Cathedral in New York City, there was a wake for this trans activist who identified as a woman. And this leading trans person, this protester who was at the press conference yesterday leading it all, who did the interview with the New York Times and who did the speeches, one of the speeches at the uh, so-called funeral, openly admits to a very large group gathered for this wake that they did deceive St. Patrick's Cathedral. And everybody is cheering and clapping. And yet yesterday in the press conference, he denied that and said, oh, no, they weren't deceptive. And then, of course, all of the projection and deflection about hate and we're the bad guys. This, folks, was all orchestrated. And so we're going to uh, sort through this. And right off the bat, after the news this morning, I'm very honored and excited to have my dear friend, Father Joe Krupp, who hosts a fantastic podcast. It's really, really well done. It's entertaining. It's informative. But it's so truthful. He did an excellent job of going through this whole situation from a priest's perspective, from a church perspective, and also reminding us to take a breath. And before we start accusing the priests at the church or the Archdiocese of New York, take a breath and think about what has happened before when you see stories like this. And it was like he was reading my mind when I was listening to him because he mentioned the Nicholas Salmon case, how everything was just the opposite compared to what the media had described. But we're going to play some clips for you, and I think it'll be very eye-opening. And maybe I can even have Andrew share these clips on the archive section so you can share it with people because I wonder how people would feel, those who don't agree with the church on her teachings, once they see these videos and how this group was basically orchestrating the whole thing from the very beginning. It's so obvious. It isn't even funny. The same thing with the whole Sandman fiasco that happened several years ago at the March for Life. So that is first up after the news this morning on Catholic Connection. After we talk with the wonderful Father Joe Krupp from the Diocese of Lansing, we are going to be checking in with Nicole Pathead, and she is involved in a really great campaign that has the support of the Archdiocese of New York. They are under a big, big deadline to save their local school, St. Germain Catholic School in my neck of the woods, in St. Clair Shores, and they're working very hard to raise funds. And the Archdiocese gave them permission to go ahead to see if they can save the school. There's a, a lot of issues right now, we know, in the various dioceses, not just ours, with money and trying to keep these places open. But these folks, you know, rolled up their sleeves and said, we can do this. We can do something about it and talk about a great example of not only love for their parish and their school, but subsidiarity, doing it at the local level. So we'll talk with Nicole, and we'll give you information on how you can help. And then in the second hour of the program, we are going to be discussing again in a more detailed manner, a little bit more time with Father Mitch Pacwa regarding the shenanigans at St. Patrick's Cathedral Church's response and what should our response be? Father Mitch joins us every Thursday for Cultural Connections. We'll wrap up with Ariel Del Turco, Assistant Director of the Center for Religious Liberty at Family Research Council. And by the way, this is a great segue because she's been on with us before. She does a great job of keeping us up to date about the white martyrdom that's going on there. And this morning she wants to talk about a new report titled Hostility Against Churches Being on the Rise in the U.S. Now, this, although it doesn't include the incident at St. Patrick's, it ties in with what people are trying to do in terms of mocking our faith and causing real, real damage. And damage in the sense to the actual structures in addition 
to damage in terms of the reputation of the churches. So that is our program for today. Much to discuss on a busy Thursday morning of Catholic Connection, February 22nd. Weather-wise in Michigan, cloudy out there right now, going all the way up to 49 degrees, so not too bad. The sun will come out tomorrow, as Annie said, and as the weather service says, partly sunny skies tomorrow, a high of 47 degrees. Full sunshine on Saturday, but cooler, 51 and partly sunny on Sunday. And 26 degrees on Monday, actually, I'm sorry, Monday the 26th, not 26 degrees. Actually, we have a high of 50 for Monday. And in the week, next week, we're going all the way up to the mid-60s. I kid you not, Monday, 50 and sunny. Then we have rain on Tuesday and Wednesday, 60 on Tuesday, 66 on Wednesday. And, of course, in true Michigan style, dropping all the way down to 34 degrees on Thursday, February 29th, the last day of the month. Now, nationally, let's see what's happening in terms of the weather. It thinks like, I think they're calming down in California. A front will cross the eastern U.S. today into Friday with rain showers and a few thunderstorms. No showers and some mixed precipitation are likely in the northwest. Elevated fire weather conditions are expected Thursday due to dry weather and windy conditions across the greater Big Bend region of southern Texas. So that's our national and our local news wherever you are this morning. We're so grateful that you're listening to Ave Maria Radio. We do have a uh, lot of news to get through, so let's get started. It's 8.06. It is a Thursday, and you are listening to Catholic Connection on Ave Maria Radio. That website again, jot it down. Don't forget it, AveMariaRadio.net. Here we go. Pro-abortion Vice President Kamala Harris says the Alabama Supreme Court ruling that frozen embryos are considered children is, in her opinion, outrageous. Last week's ruling saying embryos created during in vitro fertilization are legally protected like any other child. On X yesterday, Harris said the ruling was outrageous and was already robbing women of the freedom to decide when and how to build a family. Meanwhile, the White House also weighing in on Tuesday, calling the ruling the type of chaos they expected when the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. We'll have more on this with both Father Krupp from the Diocese of Lansing and Father Mitch Pacwa from EWTM. Protesters rallying on the steps of New York City Hall yesterday, a very small group, by the way, only about eight or nine people, demanding an apology still from the Archdiocese of New York for what they described as cutting a funeral short, a funeral that involved more than a thousand people inside the cathedral for an atheist, transgender man, and activist, a man who identified as a woman. Now, while the activists yesterday claimed there was no deception when they contacted the church for the funeral, they were not only quoted in the New York Times earlier saying they kept their true intentions under wraps, but now the same person in a separate video told the group at a wake before the funeral that they indeed had deceived St. Patrick's Cathedral. The activist they were burying, meanwhile, was an active atheist who vocally expressed disbelief in God and rejected the notion of the need for divine forgiveness of sins. St. Patrick's Cathedral leadership say they were tricked. The cathedral's rector, Father Enrique Salvo, issuing a statement saying the cathedral only knew family and friends were requesting a funeral mass for a Catholic and they had no idea that our welcome and prayer would be degraded in such a sacrilegious and deceptive way. Cardinal Timothy Dolan going on to say in his podcast this week, he continued to support the cathedral's decision. In other news this morning, an exhibition that includes more than 100 relics of Jesus Christ, the Holy Family, and numerous saints will be exhibited at a parish in northern New Jersey this weekend on Saturday from noon to 7 p.m. Catholic News Agency reporting Our Lady of Mount Carmel Oratory in Montclair, New Jersey, will host that exhibit. The parish is located in the Archdiocese of Newark, about 20 miles west of New York City. Joe Santoro, the regional delegate to the U.S. for the International Crusade for Holy Relics, telling the news agency he obtained those relics personally through his work to preserve holy objects. He said his preservation of the relics is saving them from places where they're not going to be honored in the appropriate way. And the Vatican Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith contacting several institutions over the past month to obtain documentation related to Father Marco Rupnik, a Slovenian-born Jesuit and artist, Jesuit priest and artist. Devin Watkins with Vatican News reports a Holy See press office confirming yesterday the investigation has been expanded 
into other ecclesialities which where there had previously been no contact. The press office said the investigation is continuing into allegations against Father Rupnik, who has been accused of inflicting psychological and sexual abuse on several adult consecrated women. He was dismissed from the Society of Jesus in June 2023. On October 27th, Pope Francis entrusted the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith with the task of examining the case after deciding to waive the statute of limitations to allow the proceedings to take place. The decision was taken after the Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors in September sent the Pope some reports it had received regarding serious problems in the handling of the Rupnik case and the lack of closeness to the victims. Also on Wednesday, two former consecrated members of the Loyola community held a press conference in Rome at the headquarters of the Italian Foreign Press Office. Accompanied by their lawyer, one of the women spoke of physical, psychological, and sexual abuses she personally experienced at the hands of Father Rupnik. The two former nuns said that they hoped to obtain truth and justice and denied being driven by personal revenge. I have forgiven myself and I have forgiven Rupnik, said Gloria Branciani, reiterating her hope that the truth and the wrong suffered may be recognized. I'm Devin Watkins. Ten members of Harvard's alumni filing a federal lawsuit accusing the school of failing to address unrestrained anti-Semitism on campus. A lawsuit claims Harvard has not dealt with rampant anti-Semitism even before the Hamas attack on Israel last October, alleging the university's failure to address the issue is devaluing a Harvard diploma and is making a mockery of graduates. The plaintiffs are seeking to be reimbursed for their Harvard education and for the school to address campus anti-Semitism. Brian Shook tells us United is now set to resume a daily flight from Newark to Tel Aviv. It marks the first time since October when passenger and cargo services were suspended following the attack by Hamas militants on southern Israel. Initial flights on March 2nd and 4th will stop in Munich, with the goal to begin non-stop daily service starting March 6th. United says it will continue to monitor things in Tel Aviv. The airline will become the first American carrier to resume direct service. And a United flight from New Jersey to L.A. had to be diverted yesterday after a bomb threat was found on the plane's bathroom. The flight with over 200 passengers diverted to Chicago where police say the passengers were evacuated and the plane was searched. A preliminary report says a note was found in the bathroom claiming the plane was going to blow up. A bomb-sniffing dog reportedly found a suspicious bag on the plane and connected the scent of the bag to the threatening note. The FBI is not saying if they found anything on the plane or if anyone was taken into custody. Boeing replacing the head of its 737 MAX program, the company announcing yesterday Ed Clark leaving the company after nearly 20 years. The MAX jet has been under scrutiny since a door plug blew out during an Alaska Airlines flight last month. The FAA grounding all 737-9 MAX planes following that incident. In response, Boeing has said it's revamping its quality control procedures. The U.K. announcing sanctions against six Russian prison officials in connection with the death of jailed opposition figure Alexei Nelvani. In London, Simon Gaitan says the U.K. is the first country to impose sanctions in response to the death of Navalny last week. Those sanctioned include the head and five deputy heads of the penal colony. U.K. Foreign Secretary Lord Cameron condemned Russian authorities' repeated attempts to silence Navalny and said... Those responsible for Navalny's brutal treatment should be under no illusion. We will hold them accountable. The UK has also called for the body of Navalny to be released to his family immediately and for a full and transparent investigation into his death. A Los Angeles woman remaining detained in Russia after being accused of treason. Russian authorities allege the dual nation raised funds in support of Ukraine. The woman's employer in California says she was arrested after donating $51 to a Ukrainian charity. Russian officials also say the 30-year-old but 33-year-old ballerina also took part in what they called public actions inside the U.S. in support of Ukraine. The punishment for treason in Russia is up to 20 years behind bars. And a European satellite will crash back to Earth after nearly 30 years in space. But in Paris, Ross Cullen tells us that satellite was pioneering when it launched, but it will mostly burn up on its re-entry into the atmosphere. The Earth remote sensing satellites in the 1990s monitored floods, continental and ocean surface temperatures, and traced the movement of ice fields. 
The European Space Agency, which is headquartered here in Paris, says most of the two-ton satellites will burn up in the Earth's atmosphere, and if parts of the machine do survive the fiery descent, then they will most likely land in the ocean. The public should not be too concerned because there is a one in a billion chance that they would get hit by some of the returning satellite fragments. And finally, in our news segment at 8.15 on a busy Thursday morning, 41 degrees under cloudy skies in southeastern Michigan, Delta offering flights with views of the total solar eclipse. The airline's announcing several flights are April 8th with one flight specially designed to follow the path of totality. The flights will depart from Austin, Texas at 12.15 p.m. local time, landing right here in the Motor City. The aircraft type will be an Airbus A22300 with extra large windows. How cool is that? Delta says that other flights that day will also offer at least part of the solar eclipse view. It is a Thursday morning. We have cloudy skies again and 41 degrees going up to 49. Next week, we're going to hit the mid-60s. Very unusual for early March in the Motor City. Uh, Nationally, not too much going on. Thanks be to God, the really heavy rain has now moved out of most of California. When we come back, we go up to the Diocese of Lansing in the central Michigan area to talk to an amazing priest, brother in the the Lord, and a fantastic podcaster. Father Joe Krupp did a great job of dissecting this story that still has legs, the story regarding the transgender activist who was a vowed atheist who did not believe in the Catholic Church, was very anti-Catholic, The trans group decided they wanted to give her a funeral in St. Patrick's and deceive the church into who this person was. He was a man identifying as a woman and a very, very, very involved pro-LGBTQ activist. They said they didn't lie about it. Video shows otherwise. But we'll talk about the deception, but also the way the media are reporting it and even the way some Catholics are responding. And how it's time, as Father Joe said on his podcast yesterday, to take a breath and to really look at the big picture before we weigh in, or maybe we don't even need to weigh in at all in terms of attacking the church over this. We'll be right back. Catholic Charities of Shiawassee and Genesee Counties have been providing health and creating hope since 1941. It's the generosity of donors that allows them to provide necessary services, such as their warming center, which provides refuge and comfort to thousands in our community. They also offer hot meals in their soup kitchens and help families make ends meet in their community closet. Even the smallest donation makes a meaningful difference. Join us in their mission by giving a donation at catholiccharitiesflint.org. This week on Christ is the Answer, it's the season of Lent, and Father John wants to help us prepare for Easter. It's only been about a week into Lent, but have you stuck to your goals of fasting and prayer? Or have you hit that spiritual roadblock? It's not too late. The church has so many faithful ways for us to traverse this season of penance. So if you need encouragement, join us again this week as Father John helps us get the most out of Lent. Tune in for Christ is the Answer, Monday through Fridays at 11 a.m. on Ave Maria Radio. Modern philosophers Kierkegaard, Shelley, Sartre proposed the idea that existence precedes essence, by which they meant in simpler terms that in the process of time we make or create who and what we are. We understand, of course, that there are those who believe that their doing has been more successful than that of others, and have consequently argued that their being is on a higher state than that of others. This is the kind of thinking that leads to genocide, gas chambers, and abortion clinics. However, folks like Barb and Patrick and Paul and Alicia believe that from the beginning human essence is divinely ordered and infinitely valuable, and where else can we state this more clearly than our defense of freeborn children who cannot prove themselves or justify themselves. They can only be, which is why they are so precious to one named I Am. Go to GuadalupeWorkers.org. If you don't follow our friend Father Joe Krupp's podcast, you really should because it's really good. Joe and Black Ministries podcast by Father Joe Krupp from the Diocese of Lansing and Holy Family Parish in Grand Blanc. Grand Blanc. I love when they say Grand Blanc. You could tell that they're not actually from Michigan trying to figure it out. So uh, Father Joe did an excellent job. Well, his podcasts are always, as I said earlier, informative, uplifting, really funny. He is very entertaining, but he's so solid and he's very real and honest. And Father, thanks for joining us. I know how busy you are as a parish priest and pastor and also a busy podcaster, but Dominic and I were listening to your podcast yesterday, and you really did kind of lay out the whole thing 
really asking us to examine our own hearts with this incident and uh, whom are we blaming or targeting and why are we doing that and really kind of help us sort through it. Now, uh, we do know, as I said in the newscast, that the trans activists who, who tried to pull a fast one on St. Patrick's Cathedral and were shut down, basically, they were allowed to have a service but not a whole mass, uh, they said in this press conference yesterday that they did not deceive anyone. And yet, uh, the Daily Caller had in one of their stories, I'm going to play this clip again, I played it in the news, where the day before at a wake for the same trans activists they were remembering at St. Pat's, apparently, they openly admitted, in addition to the quote they gave to the New York Times that they kept things under wraps with the church, they openly admitted this, and they admitted this, and everyone cheered for them. Take a listen. Here's a little secret, y'all. They still don't know she is trans. So, Father, this is my estimation of the whole thing. It was completely orchestrated. It was a PR stunt. Good morning. Thanks for joining Absolutely. us. Oh, and I, by the way, thanks for having me on. You know, I just think you're God's twin sister. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're very kind. But, uh, Thank you. Oh. Uh, yeah, you know, you you and I have talked about this before. You know, the the work you, you, you've done uh, in the past, all the heat you took for uh, waiting for us to get full information on topics before we jump in, and, and this is a perfect example of that. Of uh, you have people who willfully set out to deceive the church and to make a mockery of the faith, and and, and what they know is the media will assist them. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I assume they didn't know, but most Catholics know, is that Catholic media, uh, many of them, would be happy to assist them as well by throwing the church under the bus uh, instead of the appropriate parties. And um, that's, to me, where we need to take that pause, you know, and realize how um, how evil works, that it, it, it's usually a three-pronged attack in, in the, the, the deception, right, desecrate, and then blame. Mm-hmm. Um, that's exactly what they did here. Uh, they deceived uh, people. They, they weaponized our compassion, uh, which they've been doing in the secular world forever. And then instead of the... The, the Catholic media world going, oh, man, that poor priest, it was calling for his head. Dolan should have done this. The priest should have done that. And they just don't know what they're talking about. Well, when that's you say Catholic media, you're not talking about us because we've played it very straight down oh, the line. Gosh, uh, no. So who oh, are you talking about? You're talking you about various, uh, various websites. We don't want to give them any free publicity, but you're talking about mainly people online, right? Right. Yeah, forgive me. Uh, of course. Uh, yeah. And that's why I talk to you as you well know, uh, for the longest time. To me, you guys have been one of the only voices out there less interested in clicks than in truth. And, you know, obviously you suffer for that to some extent. Um, But, uh, yeah, you could go for the whole, let's just be outrage machines, and you'd probably do better business-wise, but Judgment Day would suck. So you got that going for you, Teresa. (laughs) Thanks, Padre. I appreciate it. We're talking with Father Joe Krupp, but of course he's a well-known podcaster, a wonderful pastor in the Diocese of Lansing, Michigan. And check out uh, his really great podcasts, and they are so good. He's it's just so quick on his feet and just so interesting and entertaining. Joe in Black Ministries podcast with our very own Father Joe Krupp, who serves as our MC every year for the Good News Cruise, and he's going to be joining us again next mm-hmm. year, goodnewscruise.com. So, Father, what I, I like so many things about your podcast yesterday, and as a deacon's wife, I love the way you described in the life of the church what happens when people request a funeral. You know, as Archbishop mm-hmm. uh, um, Dolan, Cardinal Dolan said, we don't do FBI checks on people. People call the church and they say we have a Catholic family member and we'd like to have a funeral mass. Then they go into the process of planning that funeral mass. And you made a really good point yesterday that many of these large churches, such as St. Pax, which is huge, can be at yeah. times a, a funeral, what did you call it? A, um, a funeral a, factory. A funeral factory, because there's so many people. And that happens at large oh, parishes yeah. like that. So, you know, and I yeah. thought Cardinal Dolan handled it beautifully. And I thought the priest in that situation 
And this is the other thing you did so well on your podcast yesterday, describing what it's like when you're in the middle of something like that. Could you kind of reiterate what you said in your podcast regarding a similar experience you had? Yeah, and, and, and honestly, I can share 500 examples from my 26 years of something fairly to partly cloudy, crazy happening that you don't expect at Mass, and it takes you a minute. And I, I think the example I used was when I was uh, prepping a family for a funeral, meaning just trying to get to know the deceased, because this was a Catholic person, so they never went to church. And so I'm getting to know uh, the deceased by talking to the family, and they talked about how important it was that we play the song uh, Let's Get Drunk and Screw by, mm-hmm. I think it was Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett, yeah. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, honestly, I'm a guy who doesn't get, you know, I was just like, hey, you know what, we're not going to do that, you know, and I walked him through about why uh, that would be a really, 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 really bad idea and why we weren't going to do it. And we had a good discussion, and I thought we achieved something. And then um, at the funeral, after communion, uh, a guy got up and, and even told people, you know, oh, the priest said we shouldn't do this, but here we go. And he whipped out his phone and played that song. And I'm sitting in my uh, presider's chair, <laughs> And you go through a process, right? right. And, I, and you know me. I've been through some things. I, I have seen shocking violence. I've seen, right. But when it's in church and, and when in the background of your head is the assumption of a modicum of honor, your first reaction is, I'm not seeing this rightly. Mm-hmm. Right? That you, you sit there and go, no. Right? Like, we are giving this family the best gift we can give a mourning family. Namely, we're going to take care of the soul of your deceased. And we're going to do so with reverence and gentleness. And when you sit there and start to realize their response to that generosity is cruelty, you just can't quite wrap your head around it. Right. And and my gosh, Teresa, when this happened, I was 30. That guy's 80. And I can't Talk about the priest, too, who was there for the funeral at St. Pat's, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and in the end, I go through this whole process of first deciding, yeah, you're seeing it rightly. Yeah, you did have this talk with them. They just chose to do what they do, right? Mm-hmm. Like you go through all of these things, but then you get to the point of, how do I deal with this without myself desecrating the, the, the sacred? Because human in me thought, you know, I, I joked yesterday, I have guns. You know, uh, I, can, I can end this right now, you know, but uh, all kidding aside, I, I literally then had to rein in my anger. And in the end, by the time I walked over to the Ambo, uh, I would say the song was probably two-thirds done. Mm. But the alternative would have been for me to fly into a rage right. or to attempt to do something I hoped would work. Because that's the thing. This priest was praying a funeral service before a jeering mob. right? And if they're so hateful and such liars as to do what they did, what makes anybody think the priest attempting to stop it would have resulted in anything but worse horrors? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. These are people, at least some of them, who clearly worship sex. Right? Like, I don't know if you saw the thing, there were people standing in the sanctuary kissing and making out and touching yeah. each other. And the clothes were, mm-hmm. were you know, clothes that you would wear, that you would, that you would wear for Halloween, or, we were, or you were, yeah. I mean, it was, it was just awful the way, it, they were just really mocking. They were mocking yeah, the Catholic faith. Were, and to worship, and worshiping their God, which is themselves, which is sex. What makes anyone think that there was anything the priest could have done that would have resulted in anything except more desecration, more horror. Um, and, 
in the end, from what I know, he did what I would have done. Mm-hmm. You cancel the mass. You gently move it into a uh, service. funeral service. Right. Mm-hmm. These people aren't church. They have no idea. Right. Um, and you try to keep the mob at bay. And then you simply get out of there as quick as you can. And the way you keep the mob at bay is you try to reason. You try to find any kind of connection. Right. I've done this. I've done done it too, Father, in the sense of I was telling you before we went on air in preparation for the interview that I can remember there were times when I was in very, very volatile situations in live shots and about to go on the air. And I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to get through this report? When there's literally a mob around me screaming and yelling, how am I going yes. to calm them down enough without, first of all, getting me and my crew hurt, and secondly, being able to be coherent when I go on the air? And it was somewhat right. kind of like negotiating with them beforehand, being kind, trying to calm them down. You know, you're welcome yep. to stay here, but please, I have a job to do. You're not agreeing with them yep. or whatever they were screaming about, but somehow... As a director screaming in your 10, 9, 8, 7, you know, ready to go, cue the talent, yeah. and you're trying to, to just calm things down before a live report, you know, in a major market. So in that way, I can understand it. it it's, it's a very, very difficult and volatile situation. Yes, and make no mistake, um, <laughs> the same people running around judging everybody but the people they should be judging. Right, the liars, the desecrators, everybody doing that has forgotten a couple key things, if you ask me, right? Mm-hmm. One is that the, come Holy Spirit, when you decide uh, exactly how you would have responded to a situation that you're ignorant of, when you set up this crazy standard, That's the standard Jesus is going to hold you to, right, Matthew Mm -hmm. 7. The measure with which you measure others, that's how I'll measure you. I think those are some of the most terrifying words Christ uttered, and I literally mean that. And and we don't think about it. We we don't stop and think of compassion, of, you know, again, I hate how it's like, you know, Teresa, my 87-year-old father lives with me, Mm -hmm. and I'm so blessed by that. I can't imagine what they're thinking an 80-year-old man could do. Right. right. And how fast he could process it all. Well, ahead and of time, in addition to that wake, they gloated to the New York Times that the funeral mass would be the first in St. Pat's Cathedral for a transgender person. So this was all preconceived and orchestrated. Yep. They had the wake. Oh, they yeah. announced that they weren't fully honest with the church. And then they went and tried to do what they were going to do. Now, some people are raising questions, and this is another thing that you brought out yesterday, which is super important, and the Cardinal addresses as well, is should there be more done or could there have been more done to find out who this person was, some sort of research beforehand? Uh, Do they have to ask for now a baptismal certificate? Should they have done that? What's the normal process, Father? I I mean, I know that most of our churches here in Michigan can't compare to the size of St. Patrick's Cathedral, but what's the normal process if someone wants a Catholic funeral for a family member? Uh, and and I, I, I'm going to answer with the knowledge that there are people, perhaps the thing, I don't know, uh, who won't like this at all. We will bury anyone that comes here. Um, and, uh, and it's basically that simple. If it's possible for us to do it, we will. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple things in my mind that, uh, that, you know, and I've 26 years, prayed through, worked through this as best I can. We are here to be used. And about 80% of the people I'm making that number of who come seeking funerals or weddings or baptisms are there to use us. We want A, you have A, so we're going to play the game so that we get A, and then you'll never see us again, Right. And so many churches, priests, dioceses work their tails off to make sure they don't get used. And it kills me, Teresa, because I use Jesus, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I believe in the grace of those moments so strongly that I just want to get them in there. 
and pray that wedding, pray that funeral with great dignity and joy and hope and believe that that's actually going to plant a seed. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, and this is my personal uh, practice, if you come in and need a funeral, if we can possibly do it, we do it. And we even, every day, well, not every day, but every third day, we have an employee who looks at the obits to find Catholics who aren't having funerals, and we do them here. We mm. do a, a memorial mass because so many kids are not burying their parents in the church because they don't want to. But, if, you know, no kidding, Seth. If, if, we, if we find someone needs a burial, we do that burial. Mm-hmm. And we get used, we get, um, what's the word, in much more minor ways, we get messed with, like that priest in, in St. Pat's did. And that is abuse and awfulness I'll take every time. I'd rather suffer for love, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to suffer. And most times it's because I'm an idiot. I love the idea that sometimes we actually get to suffer doing the right thing, you know? But in the case of this situation in in New York City, given uh, the the agenda, can you prevent something like that, though? That, I guess, is the the real point in my question. How do you prevent that? I don't know if you can. No, liars lie, right? Uh, You provided us with uh, a video of the liars lying. Right. And, and the thing about liars is they're really good at it. They've got a lot of practice. And these sort of things, I assume, are only going to get worse. And what Catholics need to do, in my mind, is get used to the indignity of it all. That if they killed our Lord, what do you think they'll do to us? Mm-hmm. That we protect the sacrament as best we can. But we also understand that as far as situations like this, we are going to lose. But what we know is spiritually we've won. Whether they like it or not, every one of those people received some form of grace at that service. Um, You know what I mean? Yeah. And when people see our willingness to just keep taking the hits and the humiliations like our Savior did, that might speak to their heart. It's a very um, difficult situation, though, because we can't allow the church very, or the sacrament to be desecrated right. and, and, and can't use the church as, as, as their means right. of, of political propaganda. So we have to be careful exactly. and we have to be open. But in this crazy yeah. world of ours, I, I, don't, I don't know, maybe we are going to have to start looking at asking for baptismal certificates or for, for birth certificates. I don't know, because you can't, you, know, you can't allow this kind of thing to happen again. No. I, or at I least try. You have to, I, there, we have to do the best we can, and it's crazy because we're putting all these, it's like we're twisting around like a pretzel. Because we're always yeah. thrown a you know a new situation. So, Father, we are out of time. Thank you so much. I did oh, want to also Beth. mention oh, that Beth. you talked about the catechism and what the church says. And another point, and I would really encourage people to check out Father's podcast because you did say very clearly what a funeral mass is and isn't according to the Catholic Church. Oh. And yeah. if you go to yeah. paragraph sixteen eighty nine, it talks about this is for the dead. This is not a celebration. This is not a eulogy. It is a prayer of salvation, yeah. a prayer for the forgiveness of the sins of the deceased. So this whole idea that you're there in this church to celebrate and to eulogize, no, the eulogy should be separate if you're going to have one. And secondly, the church says this is a solemn prayer for the forgiveness of sins. And you can check it out at Catechism of the Catholic Church. Paragraph 1689 and more. And Father Joe Krupp, you are such a blessing. Thank you for joining us, the podcast, oh, Joe and Black Ministries. You, and really, really appreciate it. Guy, come down so we can talk here in southeastern Michigan. Oh, heck yeah. And maybe get some pasta. Okay. Hint, hint. No problem. I'll get it for you. <laughs> okay. Love you, my brother. Thank you for your love insight. You too. All right. Love we'll be right back on Catholic Connection. I wish I could talk to Father for two hours. So much to discuss. But anyway, check out the. I mean, check out always his podcast, but especially yesterday, it would be a great podcast to share with those who are all about attacking the church right now after the display in St. Patrick's Cathedral last week. We'll be right back.
you haven't seen the movie Cabrini, you will uh, have a chance. March 8th, it opens up, International Women's Day. And the beautiful story of this feisty Italian nun from Lombardy who didn't take no for an answer and said, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me and decided really to roll up her sleeves and make a difference. And boy, did she make a difference. And these are the kinds of examples that lead us to to really do good in the community, including our, our next guest. And I'm so proud of my neighbors here in St. Clair Shores in southeastern Michigan involved in St. Germain Parish and School. On the phone with us is Nicole Patton, and she's one of those working on the committee to save the school Nicole, thanks for joining us. Just give us a little background and tell us, because I know it's urgent, you have a deadline of March 1st. So just give our audience a little background if they're not familiar with the story. Thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Sure, so um, unfortunately we received a letter that our um, school was going to close, and we kind of just took action immediately and said, well, uh, we don't want it to close, so what can we do to make sure that doesn't happen? So we uh, met with the AOD, and they worked with us, and um, they came up. We, we came up with a plan together to keep the doors open, um, and not just temporarily, for a long time to come. And so um, we've put that plan in action, and yes, we do have a very short deadline, but that's what we're trying to hit right now. Um, we need 150 students, $150,000. And then additionally, we are looking for pledges of $150,000. To date, we've already raised over $100,000 in donations, and we're at um, about the halfway point um, in pledges as well. I'm not exactly sure at the um, number of enrollments. Um, I'm pretty sure we're at least over 100, but um, enrollment, you have to... um, fill out the paperwork and send the checks in and all that kind of thing. So right. we are doing great on all of our um, numbers, and so that we're, that is where we are right now. Okay, so where do we go if we would like to, to donate to support this effort? Well, there is a variety of different ways to donate. Um, on St. Germain's website, we do have a um, Save St. Germain page where it gives the information on where to donate, how to pledge, and just so um, people understand, because pledging is a little bit confusing, a pledge is basically you telling us that you intend to give um, right. in the future. So we are looking for pledges. Um, we have the ability, right now we're just looking for pledges for the next couple of years. Um, just because we, this is a long-term goal, we do want to keep the school operating for a long time to come. So that is just an extra little cushion to keep us um, moving in the right direction. So on our website at St. Germain, there's a link right to um, the Archdiocese where you, there is a St. Germain fund set up. There's a pledge fund. Additionally, we have fish fries every um, Friday from 4 to 7.30. We'll have a table there if you would like to donate um, a check um, or cash. Um, uh, checks are um, be there. I don't even think they're being cashed until we we are for sure going to stay open. And the nice thing about all of our donations, they are 100% refundable. Should we not stay open, there is a small processing fee if you do it online, just because of there's always a processing fee if you do okay. things online. Right. Um, but everything else is 100% refundable. This Friday, we have a special event. We are doing a hair-a-thon um, in conjunction with the fish fry, and that is also from 4 to 7.30. We're offering um, $20 haircuts. We're doing hair tinsel for the kids, hair braiding, curling. Um, it's basically a full-service beauty salon in St. Germain this Friday, and that's going to be going on at the same time as fish fry, so you could come. You guys are so creative. I love this. Let me, yes, let me get. Let me have, give out the website, Nicole. I don't want. Yes. We only have a few minutes left, and so we have about five minutes. I want to make yes. sure we get this in a couple of times. So SaintGermain.org, and you see a big uh, symbol, and also just a place to donate. Donate now. More information. Support Saint Germain. SaintGermain.org. Pretty simple. So you have the two events going on on Friday: the fish fry and the hair salon. What a fun way to you know, have a community involvement uh, event or events and to bring people together. We were talking during the break, and you said that you were surprised but then really not surprised about the great community in which you live based on the response. Tell us about that. It's just been amazing. The outpouring of compassion, of support for our school, 
Um, we already knew we had a great uh, group of parents and kids that go to the school because we've been supporting each other for years. But just to see how the community around us has rallied um, and just even if you, you couldn't afford to give a monetary donation, people just volunteering their services. There was a gentleman who made a graphic for us to put up on our website because he was a graphic designer. Just an outpouring of love um, from our community. It's just been amazing. We had our first open house last night. We had mm-hmm. a really great turnout, and we have another one this Saturday um, for anyone who wants to come check out the school for their kids. And um, it, it's just been it's been humbling, to tell you the truth. It's been humbling. Yeah, it's it's a great community. I mean, I mean, we're somewhat biased because we love St. Clair Shores, but it really is a very warm. Uh, and a lot of the people who live here have lived here. Their families have been here for a really, really long time. And and I think that's really important. They're investing in the community that, with which they grew up, but also in the future. So, in terms of the students, the archdiocese wants you to show, which which makes sense, that the yes. school can continue with future students. Correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And um and we're doing a great job. Um, you know, the majority of the parents that are already there, of course, we intend on coming back. We absolutely love the school and um, the little community that we've built. But new parents have been coming in, too, um, to just, you know, they realize how great. And maybe this happening has kind of put a spotlight on us and people mm-hmm. are seeing, wow, this is a really great school. So we had a lot of families come through last night, even with the news, you know, that there there was a potential you know, ability to shut down, they're coming in and saying, wow, this is a great place. So it's just, it's really a testament to how strong um, our sense of community and family at our school and how other people are really seeing it. So it, it's been really great. Now, in terms of those uh, families registering students, has there been concern, yes. and you also mentioned this during the break, that gosh, if I register my student, what happens if the school doesn't make it? But you're encouraging people to register, right? Yes, because to honestly, the archdiocese is giving us this chance for a reason. You know, they're saying they believe in us too. And um, this school is going to make it. We would never have just worked on this level to raise all this money and all that for a, a simple one-year plan. No, the plan we have laid out right now is for sure at least minimum five years. However, once we hit the ground running with that five years, we're just going to continue the level that we've already been used to of fundraising, of increasing enrollment. Our enrollment actually has increased over the past couple of years, not decreased, prior to this announcement. Um, so we feel very strong that we can keep the positive momentum going. We are 100% dedicated to the school. The group of teachers and um, families, we are dedicated to keeping this school active. And like you said, it's amazing when a group of people get together to just, you know, and they have a shared goal, how much they really can get done. And right. so we feel good that we can keep it going. Well, I think, it, you know, you mentioned that you had a, uh, many excellent points with saying that this is an eye-opener in many ways for folks. And sometimes it is. Sometimes it takes thinking that something that you're so used to seeing in your community could yep. be gone overnight. And you realize, mm-hmm. uh-oh, I have a responsibility in this, too, as opposed to just uh, pointing to the church. I'm not saying the church doesn't have responsibility. Certainly they do, and they're very involved in this. And, and you know, right. just complaining and grumbling and, and, okay, what can we do? And I loved it. I was watching some of the news reports on it. People using their expertise, financial planners, yeah. people who are in, in you know, can, can work on websites, as you mentioned, and people with a background of how to do financial plans or fundraising said, look, we have, we have brains, we have talents, Let's get together and make a difference here. Yes, the gentleman that put our entire um, plan together is a parent. He has a degree in finance. You know, he, he, he knows what he's doing. He's the one that laid out the whole plan. Right. And quite frankly, if it wasn't financially sound, if it didn't make sense, the AOD would, of course, would say, you know, no, we're closing the school for right. a reason. Right. What they saw is a viable opportunity plan. to right. keep school open right and Mm -hmm. so we are now just instruments in making sure that this plan moves forward i i just i really i can't say enough about just how positive this whole experience has been and just how wonderful you know a gentleman went to get gas the other day and the 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 guy at the gas station said oh i would love to just donate to your school i mean just just people in the community have really come out to help us 
and it's just been so awesome. And we just love the school so much, and, and the teachers, they're just amazing. Many of our teachers are alumni of St. Germain, so they have a vested interest in keeping this school open. They want their children to be able to go there. It's just, it's been a very beautiful situation. Well, please keep us informed. We'd love to have you on back week, next week, back next week as we get closer to the goal. Uh, so please keep in touch. SaintGermain.org. Nicole Patton with the organizing committee. Support St. Germain. Again, SaintGermain.org. If you're on the east side or traveling our way in St. Clair Shores, a couple of great events going on tomorrow night. A salon and a fish fry. What a deal. And again, support SaintGermain.org. We'll be right back. Walk through the doors of Cantora Italian Market in Plymouth and you are instantly transported to Italy. Hi, I'm Teresa Tamio, and you can choose from a curated assortment of unique food and wines that you won't find at your local supermarket. Fresh handmade pasta, gourmet wine and cheese made from scratch bread and desserts, and high-quality meats and poultry. Don't forget to stop for lunch or dinner at the attached award-winning restaurant. For directions, visit CantoroMarket.com. That's CantoroMarket.com. If you have sustained conversation with non-Catholic Christians, one of the things that always comes up is, why do you confess to a priest? Why would you go to a priest when you can go straight to God? I would say, I would say, well, look, I went to Jesus, I looked at his word, and it told me to go to a priest. <laughs> it is interesting, one of the first things you notice, right towards the end of the Gospel of John, that Jesus himself determined to forgive and retain sins through human intermediaries. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And Jesus commissioned his apostles on earth to speak in his name, to forgive sins or retain sins, not just metaphorically, but metaphysically. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays from 4 to 6 on Ave Maria Radio and AveMariaRadio.net. On the next Epiphany. Examine yourselves to see whether you're holding to your faith. Test yourselves. Vanessa Denhagarmo here. Craig Pohl will tell us about the Diocese of Lansing's Men's Conference. Teresa Tamio is going to talk to us about her latest blog on a sanctuary for love and healing. Then Father Matt Hood from the Archdiocese of Detroit will talk about Detroit Campus Ministry. Epiphany, weekdays at noon on Ave Maria Radio. Cultural Connections with Father Mitch Pacwa will pick up where we left off with Father Joe Krupp on the fallout from the trans activists at St. Patrick's Cathedral and what we can say in terms of our charitable responses. Plus, we'll take a look at a new report regarding how churches are being treated out there in the culture. It is eye-opening and does tie in with the Father Mitch discussion as well. We'll be right back on a Thursday. Stay tuned. <laughs> 